The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. Right, okay, while I get, my, while I get myself sorted out, um, I don't know, um, I do know. We're going to talk about smells to start with. Okay, and what I want you to do is just quickly turn to the person to your left or right, like I sometimes do. Um, have a quick chat about a smell that brings back some really good memories. Okay? A smell that brings back some really good memories. Go for it. See what you come up with. Okay. <clears throat> so smells are really powerful things, okay? Take a quick look at this old retro advert. Can you play the advert for us? Is that all right? We are not sponsored by this company. Do not worry. Go on, you can reach it. Cool, something's cooking. Mmm, ready for dinner then? could resist a roast with Bisto making the most of those good natural juices. Bisto browns, seasons and thickens to make proper Bisto gravy, complete with all the flavour of the meat. Ah, boy, I needed that. Oh, you must stop in again sometime. (laughs) Ah, Bisto. Remember the old Bisto adverts? Anyone under the age of 20 is like, (laughs) who is this bloke? How old is he? And that's just a bit too weird. For me... I love the smell of things like petrol. I'm a bit weird, okay? There are some distinct smells that I really, really like, but one thing that always brings back incredible memories for me is the cut of grass on a summer's day. Don't know why. It brings back to me kind of six weeks holiday. It brings back to me family members. It just brings back all sorts of stuff. And smells are an incredibly um, powerful thing. There's a place called Rain Island. Rain Island is on the outskirts or the outer edges of the Great Barrier Reef. And um, there are thousands and thousands of birds that live on this island. Okay, I don't quite know where to look. So I just sit here, should we have a chat? <laughs> and um, there are thousands of birds that live on this island. And with birds, seabirds, you get dead fish. Okay, so this island smells of dead fish. With birds that eat fish, you get, um, you get the wastage from the bird poo. And so there are kind of literally thousands of years of bird poo and dead fish on this island. This island has a very distinct smell. Why am I telling you that? That smell draws thousands and thousands of green sea turtles towards it. And that is how they know where the turtles go to lay their eggs every year. They're attracted by different things. But as soon as they get, I don't know, a few kilometres away... These turtles, you will see on any wildlife nature program, they begin to poke their heads up out of the water. And they are one of the only creatures that can smell above water as well as underneath. They bob their head up, they smell the island, and that's how they know, probably they were born there. In a sense, that's how they know how how to get home. And they go onto the island, you might have seen this bit, and they lay their eggs, they bury them, and then they return to sea. That's called Rain Island. Sadly, about 80 of these turtles a day die. 
because they normally flip on their back. It's a great preach so far, isn't it? You've heard poo, you've heard dead turtles, but they might flip on their back so they can't move. They reckon that about 80 turtles die each day. The sea comes in, brings the turtles back out into the sea. So there's the smell of dead turtles. Okay, I don't know what that smells like. There is a point to this, please bear with me. Thousands of kilometres away, 12-foot tiger sharks, thousands of kilometres away, 12-feet tiger sharks pick up the scent of dead turtles. This normal, usually lonesome shark all of a sudden starts to gravitate towards Rain Island because they've picked up the scent of dead turtles. All of a sudden around Rain Island, you have like loads, loads and loads and loads of 12-foot tiger sharks, the only shark that can bite through the shell of a turtle. They're attracted by a scent, okay? Attracted by the scent. They leave the live ones alone, they go for the dead ones. And then you've got the turtles attracted by a scent. And so the power of smell in nature is a fascinating, fascinating thing. And um, just incredible how powerful smell is. You may be thinking that very same thing, depending on who you're sitting next to right now. I don't know. (laughs) I'm sure my daughter and my wife were. But it's a very, very powerful thing. If you're a Christian, the Bible tells you that you have been drawn by an aroma. But it's not the aroma of death or decay. It's the aroma of life. It's the aroma of hope. It's the aroma of truth. It's the aroma of peace. And it's the aroma that led you to the front door of salvation and opened it up and you stepped in. If you're a Christian, the Bible talks about an aroma that has drawn you to life and life itself. It's a wonderful, wonderful truth. If you've got your Bible, if you want to turn to 2 Corinthians, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians 2 and John 17. Two things that are not often put together, but you've got to put them together because it's just a brilliant thing. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14 to 16 says this. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. And so, and it carries on. And it it opens up this whole thing about aroma. Okay, I'm going to read the same bit, from, but from a paraphrased version called The Message of the Bible. This is what it says in that. In the Messiah, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. Through us, he brings knowledge of Christ. Everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance. Because of Christ, we give off a sweet scent rising to God, which is recognised by those on the way of salvation. An aroma redolent with life, like full of life. But those on the way to destruction treat treat us more like the stench of a a rotting corpse. It's the life thing, it's the life bit that I really want to talk about. And that that bit from that bit of the Bible from 2 Corinthians is actually like, is it a simile or is it a metaphor? 
Anyway, one of those, I get a bit, I get a bit confused between a simile and a metaphor. But it's actually a Roman parade of victory. And so Paul here is using um, kind of like a parallel to that kind of uh, thing. And it helps us see what it does. Without going into too much, too much detail, it helps us see this. If you're a Christian, you have smelt the aroma of Christ, and it's that which drew you to come to know him. Okay, And it's very likely that someone, your, your journey to becoming a Christian, it might not be, but your journey to becoming a Christian, it's likely that it involved another Christian. Take a moment to think about how you became a Christian. Okay, Not everyone, but I think maybe the majority. At some point, I wonder if someone else was involved. For me, 100% other people were involved. It took someone else to explain the gospel to me. Someone else's life to kind of think, oh, actually, that's a bit different. Someone else's actions or attitudes or anything like that that might have shone up a bit kind of like, well, I'm, that's, it's just something slightly a bit different about them. That's what it means to be and have the aroma of Christ. There's an aroma that drew us. But actually what the Bible says, there's aromas and aroma, if you're a Christian, that you give off. You give off the aroma of Christ wherever you go, whoever you interact with. You as a person do that. But us corporately, us corporately, that's an incredibly powerful smell. That aroma all drawn together. It's an incredibly powerful smell. So now that you're a Christian, you give off that aroma. Gather church, do the same. And the most exciting thing about this for me, hopefully you'll pick this up. The most exciting thing about this is when you read Jesus' prayer, in John 17, this is what he is praying for, this aroma stuff, okay? And we're going to look in a moment at John 17. Way before the writer of 2 Corinthians even wrote anything about aromas and smells and making an impact and an influence wherever we go, way before that was even thought of, Jesus had prayed for that stuff to happen. John 17, as you see in a moment, contains a prayer which Jesus himself prayed and it's directed straight at everyone who would come to believe in him. Not for the people there and then, but for the people that will come to believe in him. This means it's a prayer that we can read right now, okay? You've got to get this, okay? Prick your ears up a minute. It's as if Jesus is in the room now speaking to you and praying for you. If this prayer is aimed at everyone who will come to believe in him, that's us. And it's as if he's here now praying it right now, right here for us as a group of his people. Do you get that? It's all gone a bit quiet. It's as if he's in the room. There, central. And just saying, give me a minute. I'm going to pray for us. It's like that. 
okay? It's like that. So, are you with me? John 17, 20 to 23. I need a couple of volunteers in a minute, just to warn you. Sam Burgess is looking nervous. John 17, 20 to 23. Here's what it says. I'm in Luke. Man alive, that's totally the wrong bit. John 17, 20 to 23. So my prayer is not for them alone. That's the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. Okay? That includes us. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Okay, what we're going to do is spend 10 minutes breaking that down, okay? And I need a couple of volunteers in a minute, and uh, I've got my eye on a couple already, which is great. First thing I want to bring out is verse 20. Verse 20. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. Okay, so he prays this before he goes to the cross. He prays it before he's risen. He prays it before he ascends. This to me tells me that Jesus is 100% certain sure that he is going to go through with the mission and the work that he has come to do, that he is definitely going to complete it, that he's definitely going to finish, that he's definitely had to do everything he needs to do to bring salvation to a sin-polluted world. Do you get what I mean by that? He is so confident that what he has come to do is going to work, it's going to have results, that he's praying it even before he's fulfilled it. And he's praying for us now. And he prays for every person after that moment of ascension and those people that will come after. He is 100% this is going to work. There is no other way. This is it. This is going to be the gospel that changes everything. This is the moment where as soon as one person puts their belief and trust in me, everything is going to change for them. And if Jesus knew that and saw it all the way through, that gives me a huge amount of confidence in the power of the gospel. In the power of the gospel. It's an incredible truth. Incredible truth. It shows that his work's completed, ready to see its results. And if Christ himself was that confident to pray for us because he knew it would work, It gives me great confidence in the fact that it's true, in the fact that it's completed, and in the fact that it changes lives. 100%. No doubt. If he was sure, I think I can be sure. Let's go on. I really need a couple of volunteers, all right? Jesus goes on to pray. And we've got to stop for a minute and slow down. I'm looking at my watch. Man, I ain't got long. We've got to stop for a minute 
we might just get to this bit and that'll be it. And slow down. Because, honestly, this is, there's truth in this that is, is just mind-blowing. Okay? Jesus goes on to pray that all those who believe in him will be one. All of his work creates unity, as we will see. But what he prays is just phenomenal. Chris and Sam, can I use you two? Come up here a minute. Let's give a round of applause for Chris and Sam. All right? We've got to slow down a minute. We've got to slow down a minute, okay? This is what Jesus prays. That we would be one, us, okay? Actually, the whole church, universal church, but we are a part of that. We would be one. Like the Father and the Son are one. Can you do me a favour? Can you jump up on stage? Is that right? One of them's the Father, one of them's the Son. You choose, okay? <laughs> Perhaps Chris should be the Father. He's got a decent beard. In the Father and Son is perfect unity, relationship. There is no fear. There is no coercion. Okay? Oh, that's lovely. There is difference. There is diversity. As you can see. <laughs> okay? Let me read from your notes. By praying this, that the Father and the Son will be one, Jesus is referring to a living, organic unity without fear or coercion. He's praying for unity of love and common identity. And that common identity is Jesus. Okay? And here's what he's saying. Jesus is praying this for you now that we would be like them. God. You've got to take a moment to realise what he's praying. Okay? We are more than just a gathered people with a common interest. We are more than just a gathered people with a common interest. First thing, we are called to be like those. Jesus prayed for us that we would be like the Father and Son. First bit, have you got that? Okay. Can I encourage you to go away and look at what unity means in the Godhead? Can I encourage you to please go away? And, and if you want to go away and have a look at anything, go away and have a look at that. But it doesn't stop there. This is where it gets, for me, I'm like, right, this is, this is, pretty, this is pretty good. Okay. Not only does he pray that we will be like them, okay, but he prays that we will be with them. Being like them is us being like, right, okay, we know what that's like, and actually it's a bit more than just making sure that we're okay with each other. Okay, it's one in heart, it's one in mind. But what it means is, instead of there being a separation that we're trying to be like them, Jesus says, would they be in us? Guys, can you come down? There's a big difference between them being up there and them being down here. You right, guys? <laughs> there is a massive difference between being like and being in. We are more than just a gather people with a common interest. 
we are the gathered people who are like the Father and Son, but we are in the Father and the Son, and this is Jesus' prayer, and he's fulfilled it, and he's praying that we would live in it, be aware of it. King's Church Hastings, this is who we are. It's who we are. Simple. I find that incredibly powerful about the church. Incredibly powerful. We are not just trying to be like them. We are in fact in them. We would not be separate in any way from the Father and Son as the church. This is why Jesus prayed things like, it goes on in, in, later in the New Testament about talking about being a body, as Jesus is the head, joint. But then it goes on to explain in verse 23, okay, that not only are we in him, them, but that, which one of you is Jesus? <laughs> it goes on to clearly say that Jesus is in us. So stop and think a minute, okay? I might just end here. Take stock a minute. Who are we? We are a gathering of people more than just a common interest. We've got Christ. He prays for us. We're to be like them. But, we are in them, and Jesus is in us. Okay? Do you, I think, like, it's pretty full on. It's incredible to think that we are more than just, when we gather together on a Sunday, we don't just come together with a common ideology. God himself is involved. God himself is here. Do you, want to get, do you want to take a seat? God himself is with us and among us. And I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. Oh, that time's flown by for me. It probably hasn't for you. <laughs> but we're going to finish by quickly unpacking one more bit that Jesus said in this. He said that I will give them my glory just as the Father gave the glory to him. Okay, I just got, honestly, I wish I had more time. Jesus' glory given to us. This is the glory of his salvation that we have, okay? It's the glory of his word. It's the glory of his power. It's the glory of his leadership. It's the glory of his preservation, it's the glory of his spirit and it's the glory of his presence himself. I think I just need to stop. It's, I felt like, I just felt like I needed to share something around that because we're more than just to gather people with a common identity. King's Church Hastings, Jesus prayed for us. 
And there is such a strong unity and God involved and God with us and we're about him. And Jesus is right slap bang, right in the middle of the whole lot and you cannot remove him and we should not remove him. And we own, our only preoccupation, if we are in him and he is in us and all the glory, our only preoccupation should be with him. With him and everything else flows from that and him. And so, I'm a bit lost now. I started off by talking about smell. If you're wondering where that aroma of Christ comes from, it's because he is in us and we are in him. It's where it comes from. You don't have to try and strain, <laughs> make it smellier even more or something like that. It's there and he's prayed it. And I just want to encourage us as a bunch of people that gather Sunday on Sunday on Sunday to rediscover who we are when we gather, to rediscover some of what he prayed in John 17. But we are more than just a group of people with a common idea or a common belief. This involves him himself, okay? And you might be saying, yeah, we know this, Paul, but there's something in me at the minute something in me at the minute where it's just about him it's about Jesus and coming back to him and just recognizing again this is who we are this is who we are does that make sense can I encourage you we got four minutes before the end Sam's got loads to fit in before that um I'd love to yeah should we stand let's stand okay I want to pray for us and then hand over to Sam but can I encourage you if, you, if if there's anything like, it's a bit of a random one this morning, I suppose. If there's anything, can you go, please go away and read John 17, that bit. John 17, let it soak in. Be like, oh, okay, this is what it means. This is who we are. This is what unity looks like. This is why. Jesus, we are more than aware, or if we're not, make us more aware that you are the head of us, the church. And that there was a clear statement that you said, I will build my church. We recognise you, Jesus, as the one who brings salvation, the gospel, the builder of the church, the head of the church. We pray for us that we will recognise unity more and more and the importance of that. But I pray that you would reawaken, if any of us need it, reawaken us to who we are as your church with you at the head, you right at the heart, right at the centre, and may things flow just from that, we pray. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will come and reveal Jesus more and more. I pray that you will glorify Jesus more and more. We pray for the kingdom of heaven to impact the town that we live in, in Jesus' name, more and more. And we just pray that, Jesus, you will give us a gritty edge of knowing who you are again, that we will come back to you, our King, right at the heart of who we are as a body of your people. You are Lord. You are Lord. And we thank you for your prayer in John 17. That we'll be in you, you'll be in us, da-da-da. What a promise. What a thing. Thank you for the local church. And we thank you. You haven't just left us to get on with it.
but you are right in the middle. 